Come on, let's pray together while you have a seat. God, thank you. Just even for that song, for the beauty of music and art that moves our spirit to see yours. Jesus, you are our living hope. We sing that, but there are moments where we're reminded that we have so very little control in the outcomes of our life. We do stand in that tension that was mentioned earlier, Lord, that your grace here meant difficulty two hours south of us. And so we just, we've been singing it all morning, and we just, we trust that you are good, that your faithfulness endures forever, that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So we stand in a long line of believers who are now a great cloud of witnesses that surround us, wooing us on to the finish line, that we might run with endurance the race that is set before us. And Holy Spirit, that race is not so that we can have more, but that we might see Jesus. So your word says that we need to set our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. I pray, Holy Spirit, that what we study today from your word would help us to do that. I pray for every human being made in your image that was affected by the hurricane last week. Many lost everything, some lost something. And I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would right those wrongs. This world is broken. It's not our final resting place. But we want to join you in the renewal of all things. We want to be a part of your kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. And so forgive us where we have gotten that confused with things that matter. Where we've muddied that water to where we can't see you clearly. Forgive us for our selfishness. Forgive us for our small faith. And I pray that today you would speak to us from your word. That you would fashion us into the image of Jesus. So that we might be transformed today as we look up. So that we can look with you, Jesus, at our city our state, our nation, our world. We also realize that we can't do any of that without you. And so I pray that you would uh, fill us with your spirit and use us. And it's your name that we pray. Amen. We're in James chapter 1 if you want to meet me there. Uh, Just a really brief word. If you want to get involved with the efforts that are south of us, uh, we are obviously a little church, so we don't have a department for that. However, a wonderful faith-based organization 
that you can just Google and get involved. Uh, rarely are we this close to those disasters, but if you feel so moved by the Spirit of God to be a part of that, Google Convoy of Hope. They're doing incredible work. They're already there. They've given out thousands of pounds of supplies. And so that would be worth your time this week uh, if you want to look that up. Uh, I'm sure they can use donations, volunteers, all the things. So uh, keep that in mind. Convoy of Hope, faith-based organization doing a lot of good things. Fair enough? James chapter 1. Are you there? Three of you. Seems to be a theme, guys. Joking. Have you experienced ever on social media those ads that claim to give you something for free, at least on the surface, that will absolutely transform your life? Anybody? Seen. Hopefully we've graduated past clicking on them, but if we need to have a meeting later, we can. There was this one this, just, just this weekend that targeted me on Instagram and it was for some supplement that if I would just take this one pill a day, it don't matter what I eat, it doesn't matter if I exercise, it doesn't matter what I drink, if I would just take this one pill, free pill, It will transform my body to be everything I had wished it was. And I would look like a Greek god from the textbook you had in high school. Some of you are thinking, well, you're not too far off, Pastor. So <laughs> that was pride. I repent. It's also a lie. <laughs> so I repent. No, but we've all seen those, right? And then, and then yet like. The reason we don't click on it is why? Because it's not true. It's not true, right? There's strings attached to that clicking on. Just, here, here's how that goes. It's free. Just pay and handling. What is handling, by the way? It's the cost of the product that you are buying. So it's not free, right? There's, there's strings attached, right? We see this product, which probably isn't going to work anyway, and then to get it, it's free, but it's, but it's not free. And like literally 99, I'm not going to say 100% because there's always one of you who know that it's not real, right? And so we don't click on that. We scroll past it, right? Because there's strings attached to that and we totally get it. In your Christian life, until Jesus comes... Are you aware, you know where I'm going with this, there are strings attached. You see, we read scriptures like, when you come to Christ, when you confess Jesus, old things are passed away, and behold, all things become what? New. And yet, most of us find ourselves in the place that the Apostle Paul did in Romans 7, saying, I don't do the things I want to do. I do do the things I don't want to do. So help me God. All right, you can go home. That's all you needed today. So help me God. That's, that's like the whole point, right? 
And so what we've been studying in James in week one is why should I even obey God in the first place? Right? Like, why? We need the why because if Jesus isn't who he said he is, your life just got a whole lot more uh, freed up to do whatever you feel like. But we know that that's not freedom, right? So we study that true freedom only comes through Jesus, right? Because of his own will, James 1.18. He gave us birth, life, through his word of truth. And so God, as other scriptures say, is, has begun a good work in you and will complete it in the day of his visitation, right? So key word being what? Begun. Right. And so yet Jesus taught us how to pray. Right. He said that we ought to pray that God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven and join him in that renewal of all things. And so we do live in this tension while we are here that we are not yet as we will be. Because we need Jesus to come again. It's why St. Augustine so many centuries ago said, whatever work men perform without guilt and trickery is good. Right? We are up to that spot in James where we're talking about being doers of the word. Where if you are a Christian and grace has gone into your life, then you need to do something. Right? And yet, for centuries Christians have struggled with do something God's grace how do they come together and so we said in week one why should I obey God because that's how those things come together we're we're only able to do what we're going to look at today pure and undefiled religion because God moved first right we love Because he first loved us. So critically important, right? Because last week then we moved out of why into, oh, by the way, trials are coming. Was that not prophetic? I mean, literally like two days later, right? We were in it. And so now we look and say, well, what do we do with that, right? God told us last week that we consider it joy when trials come to us, not because we're super pumped about it, but because there's a purpose in pain when you are one of God's kids. Unlike if you're not, it's just pain. But God is redeeming those things and using them for his glory, unlike any other religion in the world. And so We've talked about trials and then today I want to launch right into this idea and it's going to be on the screen for you. There's blanks in your worship guide if you want to take notes, but I want you to think about this thought and we're going to dive right into James chapter one. But here's what I want you to write down. There is some stuff. Lift up your voice and say stuff. Now, listen, good preaching. They teach you not to use words like stuff, right? They're like, get specific. Right. But when you when you put a bunch of people in a room and then you throw in online, there's like hundreds of people. I don't know what your stuff is. And most of it, you don't even tell me what your stuff is. That's why we're starting Regen, by the way. Sign up right over there in the corner after service. But how many of you would agree that you've got some stuff in your life? It'd be a good place to say yes. Yeah, we've all got stuff. 
So I intentionally choose the word stuff today because that's what it is. When you wake up tomorrow, as a matter of fact, when your football team lets you down this afternoon, not ours. Amen. Hallelujah. They let us down last week. Listen, like there's just what scripture calls the anxieties of life. We talk about it every week and I know you have them (laughs) because I have them. There is some stuff we need to handle up on, though, in the power of the spirit by receiving it from God's word. This is a critical thing for us to wrap our heads around as we trek through the rest of chapter one. Because James is going to tell us that we need to be doers of the word, right? One of the reasons we have struggled, I think, this is my opinion, one of the reasons I think that Christians for a long time have struggled to reconcile God's grace and our responsibility to be his hands and feet in the world is because we sometimes forget that we are only doing the stuff Through the power of his spirit in reception of the way he chose to give it to us, which was in his word. And so if you try to skip past relationship with him and just do pure and undefiled religion, which is where we're getting to, you'll be tired really fast because you aren't the savior of the world. You know, one of the things they teach you in like be the bridge and things is that like we as White people have this, this tendency to try to be saviors, right? You've heard the term white savior, right? Like, where'd that come from? Because we see a problem, we want to fix it, right? I think, the, I think the motivations can be good, but sometimes we forget, like all these problems that lay in front of me, I actually can't fix them. Only God can, right? And that's just one example. We could go to every one of our lives and we could pick the things out where we are. We have a death grip on that problem and we're going to fix it. And I want to I want to just wonder aloud if if that's something we ought to pray about preaching to myself now. There's some stuff we need to handle up on, though. Here's a handle you can grasp onto in relation to that. Think about this. The Holy Spirit is willing to help you cut the strings of temptation in your life. How many of our problems come from our own fleshly desires, our own evil desires that Scripture says entice us and draw us away? I don't know about you, but probably somewhere in the region of 90 to 95% of my problems. And I might be underselling that, frankly. He's already, right, we sung it. We've already sung it today. He's already moved on your behalf. The victory is already won. He has already been on the cross, paid the penalty for your sin, arms stretched out wide and said, it is finished, was put into a grave, and he rose from the dead so that you could have the power, authority, victory, and life that he meant for you to have. And yet, how many of us Know that, but we don't have that. Dare I say, most of us, including me. And so we need to make the radical move today of cutting some strings. Right? 
Is that not a good example of a string being wrapped around your heart that's tied to something in the world? I know I have some. And so I say radical because if you're anything like me, it runs deep. It runs all the way to my heart. Doesn't it? They just do. It's, it's human nature. It's our flesh. Because we get comfortable with it. Come on, follow me. We get comfortable with it and then we start to depend on it. And then we begin to defend it. And frankly, we fall in love with it. And so look at what James says in James chapter 1, starting in verse 19. It'll be on the screen for you if you don't have it. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone. How many people? Everyone. You're in the... You're included in everyone. Should be. (laughs) I like how he said should be. Right? We're not there yet. He says should be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. How's that going? Anybody batting batting a thousand right now? I'm batting zero. Why is that so important? Look at verse 20. For human anger... Somebody say human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth. I love that word filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Here we go. I circled this in my Bible. Humbly receive. He doesn't start with do. He says, you want to start being slow to speak? Quick to listen. You better receive something that comes from outside of you. You better get some help. Well, what do I receive? Humbly receive the implanted what? Word. Which is able to save your souls. The the implanted word, the word of God, which John tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten Son of God. But his own received him not, right? And so he was put on that cross and the gospel message goes from there. And so we need to deal with some stuff. We're given this picture in 19 to 21 That we believe in our hearts, but so often we cannot find because of our battle with the flesh, our desires, right? We just studied this last week. Our desires wage war in our soul. They just, they do. And they're deep and the strings are intertwined. And yet we say this every week too. There's no shortcuts, right? Like what does it say? It says receive The implanted word. How does one receive the implanted word? Relationship. You cannot receive something that you never show up for. I could buy you a brand new car and tell you to meet me tomorrow at noon. And if you don't show up, it's yours. But it's not doing you any good. 
right? And so Jesus on the cross said it is finished. He said, I have an abundant life prepared for you that you would walk in it. Here it is. But as Jerome read earlier in Isaiah 55, we are we are buying the things of the world that don't satisfy. We're over here playing in the kiddie pool as an adult when this is available. And so it requires that we be in it, that we be in this relationship. Let me just give you a few examples of this that I think will touch all of us in the room and it'll just help us wrap our minds around what is that on the ground look like, right? Because it, you probably agree with everything I just said if you're a follower of Jesus. You probably agree with that. But when the rubber hits the road, here's where I struggle. Actually doing that. Because there's these strings that run so deep and are tangled around my heart and I a lot of times can't make, make sense of up or down spiritually, right? Because... Here's the things I read in scripture. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 to 30. Now, if you're not married, don't worry, I'm coming for you next. But here's, here, here's a really practical example. And Camden already threw me under the bus during welcome time that we're, we struggle with this sometimes. Look at this. A lot of times we jump to verse 22 that says, wives submit to your husbands. Can I get an amen in church today? <laughs> Joking. Because we forget verse 21. Don't we? Look at verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Oh, man. Then, wives, if that's happening, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Why is that even possible? Because he's submitting to you and your needs and your will. Not because he's awesome at leading. Oh, she laughed loud, brother. (laughs) Counseling available after service today. I love that. But husbands love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. Happy wife, happy life. It's biblical. He did this to present her to himself without spot or wrinkle. I'm going to leave that alone. I don't have time for that. We'll do that in another series. In the same way, he keeps coming after us, guys. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. (laughs) He who loves his wife loves himself. Selfish creatures we are. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. (laughs) Husbands and wives, we know that. We've read that, and yet we have an amazingly hard time living that. 
Why? Because the desires of our sinful flesh haven't been put to death yet. College student, young adult, middle schooler, high schooler. How about a different vision for your life than the one the world is offering to you? Think about it. Culture says freedom comes from a few places. Gender fluidity, expressive individualism, no rules, sexuality, just get an abortion, it's healthcare. We go on and on and on to describe the things that are the hot button topics in our world. But we know, obviously that's a lie, but life isn't only about what you're against. Right? Some of what the church has been selling for a long time is we need to be against those things and we've never offered something better. We have something better. Listen to what Paul told Timothy, who was a young adult who was entering the ministry. He said this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. He said, flee youthful passions. So he did do the negative. Run from that stuff. But he didn't stop there. He kept going. He said, by fleeing that, you can pursue this. Listen, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace And here's a key phrase, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. That's godly community. We we don't just do city groups because we want more things to manage. We call you to city groups because that's literally the way you do church. Along with, see, because if you just try to flee all of your earthly passions by yourself, how long is that going to last? A week if you're strong. Pursue these other things. Verse 23, but reject. This is a cultural statement now. The other was personal and godly community. Now now we're making a cultural statement. Look at it. But reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know that they breed quarrels. Listen, our culture inside the church and outside the church is in a constant quarrel. A constant quarrel. And as a young adult right now, or as a high schooler or a middle schooler, You have to reject that. You have to reject those things. And so the next thing I want you to write down, it's going to come here in this next verse, is here's why those things are so hard and yet so important. I want you to write that down because what happens is we we agree with these things on Sunday and we know they're important, but then we get out in life and life gets hard and we revert to our habits and practices. That's why we keep saying there's no shortcuts to your relationship with God because you already have habits and practices, but some of them need to change, which is hard. Look at verse 22 through 26 again. But be doers of the word, right? Why can I be a doer? Because I've already received it. I've received his work in my life. God's work is happening in me. Now I've been transformed by him. I can start to look with him. I can start to do my work, which is to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because who does that deceive? Yourself. It only deceives you. Verse 23. Because if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. He looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom. I love that. And perseveres in it. 
and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person, I love this, this person will be blessed in what he does. And then look at verse 26. If anyone thinks he's going to tie, tie back to what he said at the beginning here. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Critically important. The obvious and natural outworking of receiving the spirit of God through the implanted word of God is that we do something, right? Because otherwise it's like looking in the mirror, seeing what happened overnight and just walking away. Oh, well. And then people everywhere you go, are you okay? You okay? You look, you look rough. James is using a very easy thing for us to wrap our head around. So what do we do? What do we do? We pursue holiness. What is that? Unstained from the world. <laughs> we receive his work and we begin to live it out. But that can only happen if we don't deceive ourselves, right? That's what it says. It says it's so hard, and James says it multiple times here, that we're prone to deceive ourselves. Prone to deceive ourselves. All the strings of the world attached to your soul, deceiving you, deceiving me in our moments of weakness, into believing that this one more time won't matter. Or believing that this, can we get personal? This, this one more vote will fix it. It hasn't fixed it for a long time. And I think you should vote. I vote. I think you should vote. I'm not saying anything about not doing that. Those are tools that we have. Government is a tool of the Lord. We don't have time to unpack that, but it is. It's in Romans. And yet, they aren't the Savior, right? Jesus is. And so all of these things matter because the Lord is inviting us to step into His work and receive His Word and allow it to take root in our life so that we would not be foolish and forget what it says. But through that law of freedom... And perseverance, it would deliver us from evil. And then the important truth coming out of that battle is that this person will be blessed in all that he does. It's like a math equation. You cut the strings, you receive the word, and you have a blessing. It's not always the blessing you might have wanted, but it's the blessing that you needed and so we're left with this, verse 27. We're left with this. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Here's what we're left with. A simple reality for those of us following Jesus. And I say reality because there's a lot of false narratives floating around there that you might be prone to believe that true blessing and true fulfillment come from chasing the things that you want 
not what God is inviting you to. The obvious and natural outworking of receiving the Spirit of God through the Word of God is that we do something. And so then look at the, look at the dots that he connects. What do we do? We pursue holiness, unstained from the world. That's a job. That's a job that you need the Holy Spirit for. So if you're not communing with him on the regular, you will be stained by the world. We can't help it. We are a product of the culture we live in. And so we need something outside of ourselves to help us. The implanted word. So we pursue holiness and then we embody our faith. Right? What does it look like to embody our faith? This is a descriptive list. This is not an exhaustive list. Okay, understand the difference that James is not saying if you take care of these two groups of people, that's all the world needs from you. (laughs) It's not. But he's giving you a picture of what God's law of freedom does when it comes into your life and sets you free. It looks like this. It looks like taking care of orphans and widows in their distress. And so the gospel of Jesus declares that while we were sinners, Christ died for us and then rose to life so that we could have life with him and each other and participate in bringing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Let me ask you a question. Christian. So if you're not a Christian today, I'll ask you a question in a minute. But if you are a Christian today, have you forgotten his work? Have you forgotten that he already did the work? Have you forgotten the gospel that you received in which scripture in Galatians tells you to continue to walk in? I think a lot of us have forgotten his work. And we're starting to do our own work. And the invitation for us is to look intently into God's perfect law of freedom and humbly receive His Word today. What a paradox. The law of freedom. The law of freedom. That means there's a Creator who created you to function in certain ways. Community and with Him. Critically important. If you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to consider His work. Have you ever received His work? Has He drawn you into His family? The Bible compares it to adoption in the book of Romans. That we would be adopted into God's family. We do that by simply confessing what he's already done. We confess that he's Lord. We believe in our heart. In our mind. In our soul. In our strength. That he rose from the dead. That first Easter. And the Bible says you're saved. And then what God's people do is we come to his table together. We come to his table, which is his body and his blood, which was shed and broken for you on the cross. Jesus himself, before he would go do that, led his disciples in that exercise. 
before we actually do it, I want, I want to put the words before you on the screen in Matthew chapter 26. And I want to read it to you so that as we then come and take those elements that we would rightly understand, like, what are we doing? Look at verse 26 of Matthew 26. It says, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, he blessed it, and he broke it. Gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. That had to have been weird for them. Then he took the cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day that I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. That's our hope. We sang about our living hope and that Jesus is our living hope. This is why, because there is a day coming when he will return and he will take communion with us in a new kingdom that he has set up. That's why we do this stuff. That's why we invite people to it. Not because we have, you know, the best stuff going on in here, but because we have the best person. (laughs) And I love the simplicity of this, right? Look at verse 30. He's about to die and become that body and blood. And in verse 30, he was at rest. He was at peace. Even though he's about to die, he was at peace. says, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. They went for a walk. They took communion, pondered the greatest reality of life, sang together, and then they went for a walk. Jerome invited you earlier to be at rest. How can you be at rest with everything going on in your life? Communion. 1 Corinthians 10 tells us that it's in the bread and the wine that we participate with Jesus and that Jesus participates with us. And so I want to invite you to grab one of those elements near you. The first thing we like to do here is take that one off the top. And just hold it in our hands. The body of Christ. To feel it. Jerome had a stand when we read the word. Because our body wants to participate. I want you to feel the bread in your hands. The Bible says that he blessed it and broke it. I want to encourage you to lift that up to your ear and break it. So that you might be reminded. That Christ's body was broken for you. And then as I bless it, as I pray over these elements, I want to invite you to confess sin to the Lord. That you would receive the implanted word, which inevitably tells you to repent of something. The psalmist wrote, see if there be any wicked way in me. And I'll just invite you in these next 10 seconds to do that as I pray. God, as we hold your body. Though it just be a wafer, we're 
reminded and we recognize that it's more than just a wafer. That this is how you chose to participate with us. That it was your body that was broken on our behalf. Forgive us of our sin as we turn from it and turn to you today and receive your body, your implanted word together as your church. In Matthew 26, he said, the Bible says that Jesus gave this to his disciples and said, take and eat it. This is my body. You can take the bread together. Next, we take the cup. Which Jesus said, his blood was creating a new covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. That means a little bit less to us today because you didn't bring an animal with you to sacrifice at church today. Because when Jesus went to the cross, he was the final sacrifice. That he was the sacrificial lamb, the atonement. So that you could be freely forgiven once and for all. And so Jesus took the cup and had, having given thanks, gave it to them. And he said, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood. Let's take the cup together. Amen. And let me just remind you as the band comes up to sing, just as Jesus did with his disciples, that it was his body and blood which was poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. And let me remind you today, listen to me. This is important. One of the traditions and confessions of the church throughout the years since Jesus' death was that clergy would stand before their people week after week in this moment and remind you that you are forgiven. That this is one of the great blessings that we have from week to week. That though you sinned this week, Today, even because of Jesus shed blood, you are forgiven. And on that note, I want to invite you to stand and sing a familiar song with us. Jesus paid it all. And as you stand, I want to pray and ask for God's blessing on you today.